Today, Endgame comes to an end. Our series has been a beautiful experience learning about God's purpose for our lives. I say beautiful because every time we hear God's word, we get to know what God has planned. And whatever God has planned is always beautiful. Somebody wrote, Elder Revo, that he has made everything beautiful in his time. While I believe that the pandemic is real, while I believe that prophecy is important, but I believe we need to understand specifically what is God's will for our lives? What is God's end game for our lives? And so today, end game comes to an end. And I want to preach uh, the, the topic completed. And I'm basing this topic on Psalm 138. It's about eight verses, medium range passage. And I would like to read this particular passage. Just let me give you a little context so you understand what is happening in this, in this psalm. David has gone through a life-changing experience. You know, that experience that really makes him look at life differently. He didn't know if he would survive. He didn't know if he would make it. But he's so glad that God has been so good to him that he has had his world changed. He sees God differently. He sees the world differently. And he sees his life differently. And that's what he's talking about in this particular song. It's almost as if David is saying, I have come, I have become more complete because of what I've gone through. So in the psalm, David says in verse number one, I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you because when God has been so good to you, you will praise him. That's the thing we need to do. Verse number two says, I will worship your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. I could spend a whole sermon on that phrase alone. But can you see David's change in his perspective about God? Then in verse number three, he says, in the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul all the kings of the earth shall praise you O lord when they hear the words of your mouth yes they shall sing of the ways of the lord for great is the glory of the lord though the lord is on high yet he regards the lowly but the proud he knows from afar, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. That's good news this morning. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Completed. Completed. Let's pray. Speak, O God. 
Speak, O oh God. Amen. So David is convinced that God is good to him. David is convinced that when he is in difficulty, God is going to protect him. David is convinced that God is going to stop any plots of his enemies. David is convinced of God's protective power because David has seen God do this. David is convinced of God's ability uh, to complete his purpose in his life. David is convinced that the mercy, and this is a beautiful verse right here, the mercy of the Lord is not momentary, but it is eternal. That is, God will be good to me no matter what I go through. That is, God is not going to forsake me though I lose everything. That is, God will be by my side when life is putting me through a difficult ride. David is convinced that God's mercy over his life will not, will not, will not end. And I hope somebody hears me this morning that that's the truth of the matter is that God's mercy for your life will not end. And that's an amen moment right there. But have you ever been unsure of what you are sure of? Have you ever doubted what you believed in before? Have you ever lost confidence in something that you were confident in? When you read this verse at the end of the verse, notice what David says. Though he's convinced about God's ability, though he's convinced about God being on his side, notice what he says about God, the very end of the, the verse, he says, do not forsake the works of your hands. Now, now, it seems to me that David is having a moment when his faith is dipping. He's having a moment when insecurity is about to drown him. He's having a moment when anxiety is about to rob his peace. He has just claimed that God is good, God is kind, God is wonderful, but now he makes the remark, do not forsake the works of your hands. David understands a reality that we need to understand this morning. That is, human beings go through a cycle of rising and falling. That is human being the struggle with this situation that they have made a particular resolution, but when they meet the heat of challenge, the resolution seems to dissolve in the midst of the heat. Am I talking to somebody right now? That sometimes you make that commitment, that sometimes you make that resolution, that sometimes you make that decision, but in the moment over you realize that your decision is not actually catapulting you to victory. In fact, it is turning you into a coward and you tuck your tail and run. 
So David understands the goodness of God. He understands the, the reality of God's power. He understands that God can do the amazing and the impossible. He has seen it. He has seen God provide him money when he didn't have money. He has seen God protect him from a murderous, jealous king. He has seen God uh, make him, uh, allow him to escape a coup uh, devised by his own son. David has seen, has gone through challenges, but he understands that in spite of what God has done, I might get in the way of God's purpose in my life. And so David is saying, and I want you to say with me and say with David, do not forsake the works of your hands. I don't know if you know this, but let me tell you, you are a project of God. You and I, we are a project of God. God is working on you and I. And so David understands that even if I am a victorious today, I am still a project of God. And therefore, as long as I am alive, I am not complete. So I will continue to ask God to work in my life so that I am not forsaken by God. That is, I don't make God quit on his project in my life. Because it is true that sometimes we are the enemies against God. God is trying to work in our life. God is trying to do things. But because we are so stubborn, because we are to this, we are too uh, abrasive, or we are too submissive, we are too phlegmatic, we are too choleric, we are too melancholic, we, 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 we are too phlegmatic. God is struggling to work in our lives. God is having a challenge to work in our lives. And so David understands, God, I don't want me to be a problem for you. And so he's offering God a prayer. And I want to pray this prayer this morning. Lord, do not forsake the works of my hands. David is not denying God's ability to work in his life. But David is affirming his inability to allow God to work in his life. I need to say that again. David is not denying God's ability to work in his life. David is affirming his inability to allow God to work in his life. That is, God, I don't want to mess up this suit. God, I don't want to mess this up. You, you, you and me, we are on a roll. You and me, things are going good. You and me, we, we are getting there. Have you ever had that experience where you're, you, you're doing something good, but in your mind, you're like, I don't want to mess up this test. I want to make sure that the test goes all right. I don't want to mess up uh, this job. You, you, you're worried about your own inability to, to, to do it. You're worried about your own weaknesses. And that is what David is worried about this morning. Morning, you and I need to realize and learn that we are not as strong as we think we are. We are not as good as we suppose we are. We are not as strong as we propose ourselves to be. It so happens that you and me are but flesh. 
We are but dust in the eyes of God. We are like the grass that withers. And that's why God looks at us and he laughs when we are so proud of ourselves. He laughs when we think we are too good. God is saying, do you see this, 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 this joker? Do you see this brother thinking that he is sufficient of himself? So David is praying. I don't want to mess this up. Now, now you see, David is going through a struggle in this particular psalm. Uh, we don't know what the struggle was. Was it a breakup? Was it termination? Was it separation? Was it a foreclosure? Was it a disease? Was it a pandemic? Was it a disagreement? Was it infertility? Was it infidelity? Was it inability? Was it disability? We don't know the circumstance, but David had a challenge. And perhaps you have a challenge in your life. Perhaps the things that I've said to you and I've just verbalized are your challenge. Perhaps your challenge is a disagreement with somebody right now. Perhaps your challenge is infertility. Infertility. Perhaps your challenge is disability. Perhaps your challenge is inability. Perhaps your challenge is the fact that you are in a in a difficult situation that you do not understand. David is in that has been in that situation, but this is what David understands and he realizes this. He says in the day when I cried out you answered me and made me bold with strength. David is saying, God, you answered my prayer. You came through for me. And that makes me realize that I don't have strength in of myself. I don't have ability in of myself. I don't have the capability to succeed by myself. And so David is saying, the reason why I am praying for me not to mess things up in my life is because I know that God can work things out in my life. And in a season of struggle, what David understood and he realized was this, it's not so much that the struggle that the struggle needs to change but that the person who is in struggle that needs to change the reason the reason why we go through struggle is not because God wants to put us through struggle but God wants to ensure that we are shaped in a way that the struggle helps us out. And so David understood that I was in a difficult situation. David understood that I was in a tough situation. But because I allowed God to work it out, it worked out. Because I said, I will not allow this anxious thought to run my life. Guess what? Peace came. You know, one of the things that God is teaching me and I've been trying to learn lately is to invite God into my prayer. If I'm just to be fully open with you, I was worried about this sermon this morning. I'm like, Lord, it's not, it's not working out in my mind. I don't understand it. And God had to just whistle something in my mind. It's my word, Henry. It's not your word. You're going to be all right. Just get up there and allow me to use you. And don't worry about your words. Don't worry about Just get there and preach the word and I'll give you what you got to say. And it's been happening all over my life, my life lately. Sometimes I'm troubled about something and God brings a scripture in my mind. Be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication through thanksgiving. And so my, 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 my struggle does not change because I still have to preach like this morning. So the struggle don't go away good, but my mindset in the struggle changes. 
And that makes all the difference. And so I'm not sure what God is putting you through right now. But what you need to focus on is not that the struggle should go away, but that you need to change how you view the struggle. Perhaps you need to say to yourself, Lord, I'm going to grit my teeth and fight this out. Lord, I'm not going to tuck my tail and run. Lord, I'm going to stand strong because I believe that this is a situation you are intending to make me a better person in. And therefore, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to back away. And that is why David could say, I will praise you with all of my heart. Because David understood, God is not hate. God doesn't hate me. God hasn't forsaken me. I am not an orphan of God. I've not been left alone. But in fact, God is there with me. And therefore, I will not complain. I will praise. <clears throat> I will not look at my problem I will praise. I will change my perspective to praise. And I will not praise God with half of my heart. I will not praise God with four-fifths of my heart. I will give him all of my heart. And let me throw it to you. Have you praised God with all of your heart? That is, Lord, I'm going to praise you with every fiber of my being. That is, you put blood, sweat, and tears into it. When you get up from that moment of praise, you feel tired because you've given God so much. But we are so, 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 so sophisticated, right? Yeah, we, we don't want to throw everything into it, right? We, we want to look cool. Lord, thank you. Man, when God has come through for you, you don't just say, Lord, thank you. You say, Lord, thank you. And you jump up in the air. You sing songs to God. You give him everything. And so David is saying, because of what God can do, I will praise him. I will allow him to do things in my life. Now, now, now I want to tell you something right here. Because when you write an essay or when you write a book or whatever it is, you need to make sure that you don't edit while you write. Because when you are writing, you are employing your creative side of your brain. That is a side of the brain that produces movies. That is a side of the brain that produces music. That is a side of the brain that produces uh, um, anything creative. But when you edit while you write, you are employing your critical mind. And what your critical mind does is it will stop the creative process in your life. What you need to do when you sit down to write is write everything that is coming in your mind. Do not edit. Do not change it. It doesn't matter if it doesn't sound all right because you have another chance to go back to it. So let the whole thing be written. Put it away. Sit down. Focus on something else and come back to it and look at it. But many of us, the problem is when we are going through difficulties and challenges in our life, we want to edit it. We want to change it. We want to. And God is trying to tell you and I do not edit this moment. I want you to allow me to completely write my story in your life. And that is do not stop me from the purposes I'm trying to accomplish in your life. And that is why David says that is why David says I will not allow myself to. To edit God's work in my life. I will not allow myself to get in the way of God's purposes in my life. Too many of us, Elder Rivo, are editors. But David says, I'm not going to edit my life no more. Lord, do not forsake the works of my hands. You are in charge. 
Because David understood that God has written a particular chapter in my life right now. While that chapter is complete, God has yet another chapter to write. So 2020 is a chapter in your life. But guess what? God has another chapter called 2021. And what you need to do is say, Lord, whatever you did in 2020, I praise you and I thank you. But I'm excited and I'm looking forward to what you're about to do in 2021. And I'm not even excited about 2021. In fact, I'm excited about what you do for the rest of my life. Whatever story you're trying to write in my life, Lord, I will accept it. I will follow it because I know you're about to produce a masterpiece. Unfortunately, when I write, I like to edit. And sometimes a sermon that is supposed to take me two hours just to sit down and put it can take me four hours sometimes. And sometimes when I'm working on a daily outlook or a devotion or that I try to share uh, in our, our WhatsApp groups, sometimes it can take me an hour just to work on that, crafting the right language. But God has been teaching me and helping me to understand, Henry, sit down 20 minutes, write it out, let it go, come back again, edit it, you'll be fine. And, and the more I've been trying to do that, to trust the creative process, the more God has been helping me out. My brother, my sister, this is for you. Don't change what God is trying to fix in your life. Don't think that you're a better writer than God. You need to trust him enough to say, you know what, Lord, I don't know where this story is going. I don't know how it's going to shape out, but I believe that you have the best plan and purpose for my life. Let me put you in this particular statement. Whatever you are facing is in line in what, with what God is trying to accomplish in your life and therefore do not edit it. Don't change it, but allow God uh, to help you, but allow God to bring you to the place that he needs to bring you in. See, I believe that God will accomplish or complete the purposes of your life. And I got this idea when I was looking at verse number eight, when David says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord endures forever do not forsake the works of your hands i want you to listen to what david is saying the lord will perfect the word to perfect is to complete to bring something from a starting point to its ending point that is to be able to put the foundation to build the walls to build the roof put the windows and the doors fill in the house then it's complete that is to take that project, that business proposal, proposing it, and in fact, opening your business to bring it to completion. So David is saying, I believe that God is going to complete me. God is going to perfect me. That's the direction I'm going to. Whatever concerns me, I believe that God is going to perfect me. Jesus was talking to a crowd one day and men, two brothers came or a brother, a man came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I have a brother. We have inheritance. Could you, you're such a spiritual leader. Could you, you're such a godly man, divide the inheritance between me and my brother? Jesus said this, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to concern me? I didn't come to divide inheritances. That's your own business. That doesn't concern me. Listen to me carefully. Therefore, I'm not going to con concentrate my attention on what doesn't concern me. But I believe that what 
what concerns me, God is going to fulfill it. Hallelujah, somebody. So David is saying, I know that God will bring it to pass. And if you and I can realize and learn that we should not focus on what doesn't concern us, we're going to be more complete. We're going to be more at peace. But too many of us are concerned with things that don't concern us. And because we are concerned about things outside the boundaries of our purpose, then we are troubled. Some of us, because we are concerned of the things outside of our boundaries, we are complete in terms of our love life. We are incomplete in terms of our wealth. We are incomplete in terms of where we should be in our career. But because we're too busy trying to copycat, he got this, I should have it. She got that, I should have that. Thinking about things that don't concern you and you are being incomplete. So David is saying, I'm not going to be concerned about what doesn't concern me. I'm going to concern myself with what is concerned about me. Because I know that God is trying to bring me to that particular place. We need to learn this morning that we should not be concerned about others' lives. We should not be concerned about what others are going through. We need to be concerned about ourselves. Billy Ellish sings a song. And I'm not suggesting you go listen to Billie Ellis, but hey, I was doing research and I came across this. She, 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 she says this in her song, Copycat, and I, I want to just throw this at you. She says, by the way, you've been uninvited. Because mm. all you say are all the same things I did. So she says, if, you, if you're going to copy me, then why should we be friends? I want to be your friend because you're different from me. Because your differences... Mm, uh, what add value to me? But if I can rap and you rap, so what's the point of us being friends? If I can write and you can write, what's the point of us being friends? If I can write in a certain style and you do the same style, what's the point of us being friends? So she's saying, you are now uninvited from my life because you copy everything that I do, but I don't need you to copy everything that I do. I need you to appreciate it, but I need you to bring your own uniqueness to the table. And that's what some of us need to learn this morning. That it is about people's uniqueness and ability that we should embrace. But we don't need to make copycats. And so she continues in the song. Copycat, try and cop my manner. Watch your back when you can't watch mine. Copycat, trying to cop my glamour. Why so sad, bunny? Can't have mine. She's saying, uh-uh, you can't have me. I am unique. I don't need you to be me. I need you to be you and so david is helping us to understand i will not think about other things i won't think about saul he's the king now but i'm gonna wait for god to make me king i won't touch him but allow god to do his thing but i'm gonna focus myself in what god is trying to do in my life you are original mm -mm -mm. And just because it is trendy, just because it is popping, do not mean that you got to do the same thing. Hallelujah, somebody. You see, we need to invest ourselves in the things that God is trying to accomplish in us. Let's not invest ourselves in things that God is not trying to accomplish in us. Because when you do that, you're not going to be complete. You're going to be depleted. And too many of us are being depleted 
not being completed because our minds are not focused on what God is trying to do in us, but our minds are focused too much on what God is trying to, to do in other people's lives. And it can never work like that. You see, David understood, and I want you to understand that you have to be very confident that he who has begun a good work in you mm -mm -mm, will bring it to completion. Until the day of Jesus Christ. So, so you need to understand that from the day that you accepted Jesus until the day that he's going to come, you are in a, in a completion. Uh, you are in a project by God. But the good news is this, that God is going to work on you. That God is going to help you out. Now, now you know how it is, Elder Revo. And let me put it to you like this sometimes, that we start a project, but we don't finish it. Right? You, you, you start a, a, a group, but you... Don't continue the group, right? You, you start something, but you, you don't finish. Because sometimes what happens is you didn't calculate properly about the endeavor. And therefore, because you didn't calculate properly, you lost endurance for the endeavor. Or sometimes because you're disappointed about how things are going, you decide to, to quit and let it go. So you quit on the very thing that you yourself believe that it was your purpose, that you yourself believe that it was God's dream for you. But because of challenges, you decide to quit and that's human and that's okay. But what it is saying in this particular text, God is saying, and Gunnar, I hope you can show this on the screen one more time, that God will bring it to completion. That whatever God has started in you will not stop. Whatever God has began working on will not be will not be abandoned. And that's what you can take courage on this morning. That God is by your side. He's not going to let you go. But you need to pray like David. Lord, help me not to get in your way. Lord, help me not to stop your purpose in my life. Lord, help me to continue on with you. Because God truly wants to create a masterpiece. You see, God has made us twice. God made us at creation. But he also made us at redemption in Jesus. God made us twice. And I want you to take that to heart. Yes, he started a project. Sin came in, disturbed everything. But God says, sin can't stop me. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? God said, sin cannot stop me. Therefore, I'll continue my project through Jesus. And if my people accept Jesus, the project can continue. So I'm not going to stop on this project. And I want you to understand that no sin can stop God's purpose in your life. Only you can do that. When you say, God, I'm too bad. God, I, I'm not that good. And you turn away from God, you can stop God. But when you say, Lord, in spite of my sin, in spite of my struggle, in spite of my challenge, I come to you, God says, that's where I need you to be. Too many times we're not progressing in our faith because we focus on ourselves. But we need to put our attention on what God can do. We need to put our attention on his ability and capability and not on our disability. Lord knows many of us have been disabled. You've been disabled. That temptation got you again, disabled you. That disagreement got you again, it disabled you. That 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 termination got you and it disabled you. And now you feel like, man, my, my life is going nowhere. But I'm here to remind you that you're not yet completed. Mm -mm. That God has begun a good work in you. And the most important thing we need to understand about this verse, it is talking about the work of salvation.
The reason why you still struggle with anger, the reason why you still struggle with gossip, the reason why you still struggle with, with, I don't know, appetite and any other struggle you can think about. Uh, the reason why you're struggling is because you have not yet reached completion. And because you have not yet reached completion, you always need to come to God. Lord, once again today, I need you to help me out. Lord, once again today, I can't do this on my own. Lord, please help me out because without you, I cannot do this. See, I need you to understand that God will use seasons of trouble to complete you. God will use seasons of trouble to complete you. David says it like this. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. That's a season of, of difficulty, a season of trouble. He says, though I am living, to walk in the Bible is to live. He says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will give me life again. I, I, I might have felt like I'm dead, but you will make me live again. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and you will save me. Let me blow a lid on the truth. The troubles you face are designed by God to complete you. Let me say that one more time. The troubles you face are designed by God to complete you. When we talk about something being designed, we're talking about a plane, we're talking about a car, we're talking about a computer, we're talking about a mic like I'm using right now. Somebody has put intention and thought. Somebody has thought, thought about this and said, I want to create this product to achieve this particular purpose. So with God, troubles are designed and arranged and organized to accomplish a particular purpose. But in this sense, God is trying to use those troubles to complete you. It so happens that the, the, the word trouble, it, it can be translated need, disease, or distress and anxiety. In other words, David is saying, in the moment of trouble, in my moment of difficulty, I am incapable of helping myself. That is, I need outside resource to give me strength for this occasion. That is, if I do not have outside help, that is, if I don't have expert help, I will not be able to meet this challenge that I'm going through. So let me help you to understand what I'm saying in a moment. When we are in need of help, talking about a disease, talking about a health challenge, we have taken the drugs, we have used Halodoc, we have gone to Mercury, we have gone to all the pharmacies. We have consulted our doctor friends like Elder Revel. But we realize that the, the, the disease is now going away. What we think is we need to go to an expert. So we go to a doctor. And we tell the doctor our problem, our situation. And the doctor will listen and he will give us his expert, expert advice or he'll give us his prognosis.
and he tell us you have to take this medication you have to do that because you realize that without the help of a doctor without the help of an <laughs> without the help of an expert you cannot get the help that you need guess what god is an expert that walks with you in the midst of trouble you see you go to a doctor when you need help but the truth is david says when i walk in trouble god is there that is i don't need to go to god god is there with me and therefore i will not fear him brother and sister hear me carefully god is an expert in helping you god is good at solving problems that is why paul would say pray without ceasing you are troubled at work pray you don't know how to handle the finances pray you don't know how you're going to solve the disagreement pray you don't know how you're going to meet the work goal you don't know how you're going to meet it pray because you realize that god is an expert that god is there to help you so god is an expert when you walk through trouble why go to <laughs> to people I, you know i have um i have i have sometimes have had problems with products and you know uh, you know you know this that you take your product there's something wrong with it you take it to somebody and you tell them the problem and uh, they start to look at it you know what i mean they start to take everything out and stuff like that and in your mind you're like do they really know what's happening with this thing you start to feel nervous that's how it is when you don't approach god you're going to somebody hey i have this problem and they tell you oh wow that's so bad you know hmm so you ask them, what do you think? Well, I, I don't know what to say, really. But when you go to an expert, they look at your problem. They'll tell you, oh, you're suffering from this. Without even having to touch it, they tell you exactly what it is. Because they are what? An expert. So why are we troubling ourselves going to non-experts when we have God who is an expert? When we have God who knows how to solve the issues and the problems that we have. When we have God who is going to help you. And that is why David says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You see, what I love about experts is that they'll take your product, they will work on it, and they will make it work perfectly again. And so David is saying, God is such a good expert that he will revive me. He will make me alive again. God is going to give me life when I thought I was dead, and some of us, truth, to be, truth be told, we do feel like we are dead. We feel like we don't have motivation anymore. We feel like we are tired. We feel like we can't do this anymore. But let me tell you, there is never room for a child of God to feel like I can't do it anymore. There's never room for a child of God to quit because you have somebody who says you should never quit you should never give up. I will give you life. And so when we realize that God has intended our lives to be thriving and our lives to be at peak, then we know that we can make it. Then we know that we can survive. So back, back in, 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 in high school, I always had to carry gun. I mean gum, not gun, gum. <laughs> 
I always had to carry gum. And the reason why I always had to carry gum is because if there was a potential to talk to a young lady, I needed to ensure that my breath was smelling good. Before I made my approach, what I would do is I would do a breath test. Good. I'll do a breath test. So I'll blow into my, my hand and smell my hand. And then it, it either you're good or it's you're not good. And if I realize, if I realize that I'm not good, I'll pull out my gum and I'll chew the gum. And the gum was a backup system to me. See, God. We need to carry God. We need to carry God with us like I carried gum with me. That whenever I'm in trouble, whenever there's a situation that needs finesse, a situation in which my breath might cause a problem, and I'm using that metaphorically, that is a situation that I find myself into trouble. You, you, you call on God right there. Lord, hey, it's about to get sticky. Please help me. And when you do that, what you realize is that you are able to resolve the problem. And, and at least in high school, nobody could ever say Henry has bad breath. You know what I'm saying? Because my, my, my gum was always there. And so when God is always with you, some people will not say, man, this, this person is messed up. People will not say, this person cannot handle their problems. People will not say, this person is weak. They will see a strength. They will see a power in you because it doesn't come from you. It comes from God. So David says, you're going to revive me in trouble. See, our task is very, very, very simple this morning. We need to keep three P's in our mind. That is the first P. We need to praise God. We need to praise him. David begins the psalm. He says, I will praise you with all of my heart. I will, I will praise you with all of my heart. Praise is a decision. So David says, I have decided that no matter what happens, no matter what I will go through, I will praise God. It is something that we need to do because we realize God is so faithful. We realize that God never fails me. We realize that God will never abandon me and therefore I'm going to praise God all of the time. Here is the thing. When you look at this particular passage, I didn't put it in, the, in my notes. David says, I will praise you because your, your word surpasses your name. He says, I will praise you because your word surpasses your name. What David was talking about is this, that what I have seen God do now is not all God can do now. When God declares that he's going to do something else, it's going to be greater than what he did now or in my past experience. I'm coming. David is saying, I will praise God because what I'm praising him for now pales in comparison to what I'm about to praise him for. Mm -mm -mm. He, God is saying, David is saying, God's past glory is not on the same level as his coming glory. I don't know if somebody's hearing me this morning. See, what you need to understand is that whatever God does is always greater than what he did before. You see, Egypt was glorious. 
But God says, Egypt ain't enough. I'm going to send my son, Jesus, to die for you. That's a higher level. You think Jesus was the highest level? No. He's coming back a second time. That is a higher level. Or you think the second coming is a high level? Uh Uh-uh. You're going to spend a thousand years in heaven. You think that's a higher level? No. I'm going to make the earth new again. But you think that's a higher level? No. The highest level is you're going to learn about me for eternity. And therefore David understands. I need to praise God now because what is coming is much greater. I don't know what God has done for you in your life today. But believe you me, God has better things. And so I decide, I hope you decide to praise God this morning. Because God is going to do great things. God is going to do amazing things in your life. 2020 was amazing. Amazing, but trust me, 2021 is going to be more amazing. You think that gift is all that God can give you? God has a better gift. And therefore, when you centralize yourself in the idea that I'm going to praise God all of the time, what you will see is that it will change your perspective and your sense of expectation will be much greater. And you look at God for who he truly is. When I look at a security guard. I appreciate him because he is doing great things. He has power. He has power to keep me from entering the building. But if I come with Jokowi, that security guard, he will treat me like a boss because he understands who I'm with. And so when you understand who you're with, God, And you realize that he's the most powerful being to ever exist. What's your reason for complaining? And crying? What's your reason for being afraid? What's your reason for being anxious all of the time? And I tell you what I struggle with. But remember, God is working on us. And therefore, I want to praise his name. The the second P is perspective. You see, David learned... In verses number four to verse number six, that every king is going to praise God. You see, because of David's experience, whatever it was, we don't know what it was. David learned that God has the world in his hand. David didn't need to worry about a pandemic. He didn't need to worry about uh, uh, the world coming to an end because he learned that God has a world in his hands. So his perspective changed. How he looked at things changed. And that's what we need to learn. That we don't need to look at things the same way. We need to change our mindset, our perspective, and we're going to be all right. The third P is prayer. Because David says in verse number 8, in fact, verse number 8 and verse number 9 is really David's prayer. You see, while David understood that God is working things out, he needed to work out his prayer life. He says, do not forsake the works of my hands. He's not saying uh, this in, 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 in complaint. He's not saying this to people around him. He's saying this to God. Lord, do not forsake me. That's what a prayer is. Some of us, we think prayer is, Lord Jesus, you're so awesome. You died on on the sins, or you you died on the cross for my sins, and you are great and awesome. We think that is prayer. I believe it is prayer, but prayer has to do with what is in your heart, how you feel, and you tell it to God straight. And so David is saying, my prayer is, Lord, do not forsake me. And one of the things we need to pray, yes, God, you're working on my 
my life. Yes, God, you want to bring things to pass in my life, but help me to pray. Help me to be more spiritual. Help me be more committed. In other words, while you do not want to get in the way of God, you need to work with God. Yes, you don't want to mess things up, but at least do your part to make sure that you don't mess things up. So if we can keep the three P's in mind, uh, that, that, that is we need to, to think about praising God. We need to keep our perspective clear. That is we need to pray. Then I believe that God will complete us. A story ends or brings this moment nicely. Or concludes this moment nicely. And I want to tell you about this story. So they, they, there's a man who visits Jerusalem. In fact he goes to Bethlehem. And he finds a little house on a corner. And this little house on a corner. Is near. A place. Where you can get clay. So he gets, he gets to the house. He knocks on the door. And the person inside the house opens the door. And he enters the house. When he enters the house, he sees that the owner of the house is a potter. And he has clay in his hands. So he noticed that he took the clay and he was punching the clay. By punching the clay, he was softening the clay. Then he noticed the potter wet his hands and he took the clay and put it on the the potter machine and then he started to work the clay and the more he worked the clay the the taller the slender it became so now it is slender but now he decided to take his thumb and press the thumb into the middle of the clay, he created a hollow, a, a hollow hole, and now he eventually became big enough and he could fit his whole fist inside. And that action was giving the, the clay shape. And the more he did that, the more it was being shaped. It, be, it was not only slender, but it was now shaped. And then the potter decided to take this slender and shaped clay and he put it in the oven. And when he put it in the oven, it became, it received strength. So it went from slender to shaped to strength. I want you to understand that God is taking you through a process from slender to shaped to strength. Whatever you're going through, you're going to be more complete. If you allow God to work in your life, if you allow God to shape you appropriately, to allow the right amount of pressure to work in your life, do not get in the way of God. Allow God to complete you. That is what Endgame is all about. I'm standing up today and I'm telling God, Lord, I want you to complete me. I'm not yet complete. I want you to make me a more complete pastor. I want you to make me a more complete man. I want you to make me a more complete uh, whatever you desire. Allow God to put you through the right amount of paces so that he can take you through the process and complete you. Don't get in his way, but please work with him as, as long as you go with him in the way. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you.
We appreciate you. We believe that you want to complete us. You want to make us better. And therefore, Father, today we submit ourselves to you. Please complete us and make us what we need to be. As 2020 is ending, our greatest desire is that we may be complete. So many things in us are not yet complete, but we're going to trust in your completing ability to make it happen. Help a brother. Help a sister. This is my prayer. This is my hope. In Jesus' name, amen. See you again next year. God bless you. Amen.